0: Welcome to New Kids on the Block, a podcast for newcomers who want to explore blockchains and cryptocurrencies. On this show, we discuss and dissect all things crypto for beginners and intermediate users and help them navigate their way through this fascinating yet overwhelming new space. Let's dive right in.
1: New Kids on the Block
0: is a podcast for educational purpose only. The views expressed on the show is of the opinion of the co-hosts and guests. They do not represent the opinion of the organizations they are associated with. None of this is intended to be financial advice. Make sure to do your own research. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today is a very special episode of New Kids on the Block. I'm sitting here with Dan du um who has appeared appeared in a previous episode uh, and we we are here in person in d c Dan, welcome to DC.
1: Hey you, great to see you. Great to be back on the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Today uh, we have a very special episode, not only because Dan and I are here sitting in DC in person recording this episode, but also because we are introducing a new guest, uh, our secret guest. So Dan, do you want to?
1: So the last time when I was in your show, you talk about how cryptocurrencies can really make a difference in people's lives. one focal point that we spoke about was this original vision of of Bitcoin, which was the first major crypto out of the gate. So one of the original vision was financial inclusion. How do we give people the ability to do financial services who would otherwise can't? Um, So it's a vision for many blockchain efforts. So this notion of a self-running network across the world that allows people um, anywhere to send and receive money uh, without going through traditional banks uh, or exchanges. This problem is is very pertinent for people in emerging countries um, that face severe uh, economic uh, hardship. So people... There may not have access to traditional financial services. So, I brought a special guest with us today uh, to talk about her and her team and the, the work that they're doing just in this space. And so, with that, uh, I'd like to introduce everyone, uh, Nyat Nguyen. So, Nyat, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, it is such a pleasure and honor to be able to join the podcast and talk to you about my uh, path to crypto and um, the work at Reserve.
0: Yeah, welcome, yet uh, I think it's very exciting for us to have you on the show. Um, like I did a bit, little bit of research uh, before the show. I was really impressed by your background. Um, I'm fascinated about how you made the transition uh, from traditional finance uh, into the crypto slash blockchain world. Um, Can we, before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what makes you decide to make your foray into this new space?
2: Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, um, my background, as you mentioned, is in traditional finance. I was in uh, both, like a big corporation. I was at Goldman, uh, uh, working in operations, and I went to a smaller asset management firm, managing, doing investing and uh, managing assets for uh, like wealthy individuals. Um, And those are only like a, a small part of my life. I think that there's another aspect of my life that really has been always the core driver for me, is, is I grew up in an underserved communities. My values are on equity and justice. And how do I see as finance, it's a, such a fundamental part of human life and grew up where we didn't have much. And my mom had problem getting access to credit. Um, and so how the idea of providing financial access to, everyone around the world without regardless of where they grow up, what condition, what geography, um, social economic background, um, I think it has so much impact in economic development, in people's livelihood. Um, so it has been always the under, like underlining um calling for me in terms of what I do, what drives me, and the work in the traditional finance market has helped me a lot in terms of understanding um, how things work. Um, so I, like, I'm like, i in my thirties now, and I have realized so much of in my twenties, I'm trying to understand how the world works, how the game of life work and I, I, my background was in economics and math, and I learned, I, I was fascinated by the economy, like my passion is in economic development, financial market is in, integral part of it. And all thinking about how do we change life for the people in uh, the communities or like the whole focus of economic prosperity for everyone. Um, how do you do that? and, uh, I used to think about top-down monetary policy, interest rate, inflation situation. Uh, in Vietnam, we haven't experienced as much inflation as other countries like Venezuela, Argentina. Um, or number of uh, or Zimbabwe, like just so many countries now, like the in the past and now, experience hyperinflation. And when I talk to my friend who come from Argentina, and they talk, uh, or like Venezuela, they the idea of having just the uh, like the core basic human right of you, own, you have access to current, uh, the currency that is stable, that the next day you can actually, you make that money the next day, you can save that in order to plan for future, but there's no planning. Like the whole economy collapsed with, in, with hyperinflation. And so there's so, so many aspects of finance, Like the core of it is stable currency. And then how do you go from there to provide additional financial services and infrastructure that rebalance the way that the financial market works right now? Now, from what I see is the financial market is mostly work for the people who have, not the have not. And we need to really rebalance it to make sure that it works for everyone and not just like inside a country, in the U.S., there's a lot of problem inequality around the country as well, and there's like inside the country inequality and different countries inequality. How do we rebalance things, and how do we provide and create a new system so that it uh, includes everyone? And I, sometimes my friend was like laugh at me for like oh why do you need to do like both like I did an MBA at MIT and MPA at Harvard Kennedy School and I actually find it's like a perfect combination for what I'm doing now thinking about like the, like the whole aspect of using business and entrepreneurship and um social impact um, so anyway that's a long long story of like how my background is and then how I go into crypto actually the the, the later part of crypto is much more about like I. I know a friend that who uh, was at reserve and he's super passionate about the mission at reserve and he has experienced it himself, uh, growing up in, in Venezuela. And so when I listened to his talk first time, like more than a year ago, I was fascinated or just connected with him just because of the values we connect. And then, uh, over the, the, the year, like he shared with me about the impact the that uh, they have done with Reserve using stable coins and how having people that who sell fruit on the street using stable coin as a way to save their livelihood. Um, and it's just incredible. It's, it touches my, my heart. And then eventually I make the jump. So, and I learn a little more about it.
1: So this leads us to Reserve, right? When you mention Reserve, um, and that can be understood differently by by different people and so we're not talking yes. about the federal reserve bank here and we're not oh, talking no. about a commercial <laughs> bank uh, who building reserves and their uh and and their deposits um so uh, so tell us a little bit about uh reserve and uh what they do and 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 how how you got started with the team
2: yes um so reserve uh is a protocol that uh focus on providing staple coins and we have the uh, app that we there are 500 like more than 500,000 almost 500,000 users on the app that are using the app in order to save to plan and organize their expenses um, with the staple coin so our staple coin is RSB, and we have uh, the token for the project is RSR so the RSV is what people use on the app um, and the mission of uh, reserve is trying to to provide that the core human right of access to stablecoin and there's so many stablecoins out there um but why why are we different so the first is we really focus on the human aspect of it the, the focus on the application on the ease of use of it um and so and then second is on we provide the access to stablecoin in the countries who need the most. For example, not many projects actually go to Venezuela because of the economic condition, regulatory aspect, and um. So the thing is, there's millions and millions of people in Venezuela who needed it, like every day. They 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 can't just carry a bag of. A bag of like cash, just to go to the store and buy a loaf of bread. And that was what happened. Um, and so we go back to the idea of how to make it more an, an adoption. Um, and we have more than fifteen thousand merchants that accept uh, Reserve. Right. And So. Uh, just look around like the way that people have access to other stable coins in the US is a very different application. People use this for maybe buying other coins or like this uh, a way of medium exchange for other for the De- defined platform. Uh, but we focus more on using as a payment. Um, and then from there building up additional financial services that would be level the playing field providing opportunities for people to make additional uh income and then live up to the full potential
0: that that's there's a lot to unpack there uh i want to kind of take a quick step back and maybe go back to the basics a little bit because yeah. uh maybe not every uh all members of our ours uh fully understands uh stable coins uh so can you maybe just, high, just on a high level can you explain what is stablecoin and uh, why what are different types of stable coins and, and why, why are they important
2: yeah so um stable coin is the cryptocurrency that is made that is pegged on specific assets and lots of stable coins are pegged on US dollar because it's considered a stable currency and for us um is they peg on US dollars so there are different types um you could have algorithmic stable coin have fiat backed Stable coin or cryptocurrency stable coin, um, and uh, I think there are um, like number of projects trying to do algorithmic stable coin. But um, a critic on it, um, I think is there's so much of improvement need to be made in the algorithm uh, in order to make it work because the current assumption assume that arbitrageurs would like well, basically um right. just take a step back like the, I, the idea of outgrow rhythmic stable coin is that the it's built into the algorithm in the smart contract in a way that if the value of the stable coin is outside of the currency that is paid on then um it will increase the supply or reduce the supply based on how the the values change and when they provide that like when it's the same way you look at the market um, uh, in basic economics you provide more money supply or you have less money supply based on changing the interest rate uh, in this way it's like changing the money supply or uh, changing the currencies of the coin supply or uh, in the market but then they it requires people the arbitrageurs to step in and mm. exploit the profit opportunity to bring it back but then there are times that when the market, when the arbitrageurs don't come in because I consider it too risky, there are a number of times people are not always rational. So there's a number of times that it just doesn't work um, in specifically in like extremely unstable situations. So uh, if we pick and foot RSV, we pick on the, um, like we have the three, um, staple coins that we paid on is two USD, a third two USD, a third uh, USDC and a third um Paxos. And all of those are 100 percent collateralized uh, uh it's pegged one on one with a US dollar. And so people use the uh, RSV as US dollar right. uh, on the app. Um, so uh, uh, why do we need it? Uh, so as I mentioned from earlier, um, the idea that people in many different countries don't have access to stable coins. That's one thing. And then the other things that people use as a medium under de- uh, de- decentralized finance, these um, de- use for lending, a lot of that. But for us, it's really a focus, the first fundamental need of stablecoin rather than the want, like the need of having access when you don't have access to it. So for example, I'm from Vietnam and people don't have access to a bank account that has that whole US dollar. Or the same thing in Venezuela, people don't have access to a bank account that hold a US dollar. And there's sometimes change, the regulation change and you know, some other country as well, or like there's a lot of restriction on it. Um, and so if you uh, earn, in local currency that you lose value half of it the next day, then how are you going to survive? You just earn, for example, you earn $300 today from the last two weeks of working. And then you have to go to the store, buy food right now. Otherwise tomorrow, you can't afford that food. Um, And so that, for, I really believe in the concept of like having a stable coin is just a fundamental human right. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, like we, we are currently pegged on U.S. dollar. But the future is we can build other stable coin as well that doesn't necessarily pick on U.S. dollar. We could pick on other assets that um, have options for people to um, choose if uh, there's anything happen with the U.S. dollar. And I think like the whole current situation at U.S. dollar at 7.9, Inflation rate is like hasn't happened for decades, so right. we don't know where things go, and we really hope that it doesn't happen uh, anything go out of range. Um, but history has taught us that nothing stays forever, like stays still forever. That's what, yeah, that,
0: that's that's very true. From, from what I'm hearing, um, uh, it sounds like the the case for using stable coins is a to to maintaining the purchasing power for the consumers to have um sort of a, a flat expectations for what they can or cannot get uh, and the reason the, the case against algo stable coin if i'm understanding correctly is that there's this potential for for losing the peg uh, in certain cases and that might create some sort of fluctuations uh, which might defeat the purpose of stable coins in the first place and um it it actually has happened in, in in the recent years, right? In these all these algo stable coins that's coming out, I think uh, Luna has won UST and Faye and FRAX, All these algo stable coins, uh, they have all have, have experienced their own share of their issues when it comes to to losing the peg and it, it becomes unstable. Ironically, so in in that sense, maybe maybe a, a asset backed stable coin is the way to go. Uh, I'm just really fascinated to see you know how is this going to play out um i guess a more specific question for you is like um, among even within the asset-based stable coins space there's still uh, many players in it right Um, like how does reserves approach differ from your uh, other competitors or the stakeholders in this space
2: yeah um so for us the really the focus is on the adoption that is needed by the people who are in the communities that really, really needed it? Like, for example, in Venezuela, or in uh, like when there is a hyperinflation situation, there are not a lot of projects go there. And we make it easy for people to use. Um, they can use the app, access to RSV. Uh, um, and then they can even use cash in order to access to RSV by using the liquidity provider they have our independent liquidity provider is in um, the countries that we operate and so the uh, i I'm not sure if, like i have not seen like the people really use other coins in the way that they use with RSV, um of using as a core payment uh for day-to-day purchases, um, and as I mentioned, we have fifteen thousand users, and we have more than five hundred thousand, uh, no, um, fifteen thousand merchants that accept it. Um, how, uh, maybe you will find it. Like I don't know how many other people you US, use USDC uh, as a like a form of payment. Um, but can I ask yeah. though,
1: like how how does this work on the ground? Do you have people? You know, so for someone in, in in Venezuela and Argentina, they're just worried about, you know, doing their daily grind. How, how do they know yes. about, how do they learn about how, how to use reserve and, and gain access to it? Do you have people there on the ground who are meeting merchants and meeting with with consumers um, and training them? I mean, do, do yeah. these people even own a phone in order to get access to this service? It's just so yeah. let, let, tell us a little bit about, about that, like the groundwork
2: yes um we have people in every country that we operate so we have it in um, argentina colombia venezuela uh peru and panama and we are launching in different like in mexico launching in a few other countries and in each of the country that we operate we have people who live there uh in order to work with the merchants there like to provide the training um and we make the app as simple, seamless as possible, um, and so the people that who sell arapas on the street that can actually use the app and say we can like and they have the QR code, so then people can go to the store and they scan the QR code and then they pay they make a payment at the store or make payment on like to the merchants on the street, um, and the there the are teams that will do that training, the team that help the merchants with the QR code and anything that they need, and we also create communities in different areas of uh, different countries so that the people can help each other. So it could be online community it could be offline community, we have uh, people who join WhatsApp groups, uh, Telegram groups, um, Twitter and um, so also like basically most people, everyone who wants to use r now actually have to have a phone. Um because that's that's the basic um that's like, that's how uh we offer it this on the app. Um it's um and we are looking into ways that people can access to um the the staple point without uh an app. Maybe could it be like a a, a card, but um, it's something that we'll continue working on in order to expand the access to it. Um, and there's more and more people have phone users nowadays, uh, but still not everyone has a phone. Um, and we'll, in order to increase the, uh, the adoption of RSV um, uh, so that uh, everyone can have access to it, we, we're working on the, the expansion on that side. And uh, but, yeah, you have to have at this at this time, you have to have a phone in order to have access to stablecoin.
1: So for, for a typical consumer, right, they they're, they're holding either a, a Venezuelan Bolivar or Argentine Peso. So they start from there. Right. So they have some Peso that they exchange for reserve and then they hold on to it and then use it uh, in transactions. Is that is that sort of the you know, the the way that works?
2: Yes, yes. Okay. So they can, um, they just go in the app and they say, I want to put deposit certain amount of money, and uh, so just imagine if you earn like six hundred dollars or. I don't know how, but it's just like $600 uh, after a month of working. Instead of holding it in bolivar, they can just transfer that into the OSB app and then use that and they can use to pay at the store. They can go buy flour and buy food and all of that. So it's, the uses is a fundamental uh, currency that they have it daily. Um, and an additional part of uh, the impact that it has in Venezuela is that um, there's lack of access to, um, USD in the cash. Like the people in uh, a lot of people in developing markets use cash, and also, um, people have told us I've heard stories of like, uh, there's they go people use cash it's like the U.S. dollar, but like you have like one dollar, two dollars, like well maybe the five dollar bill, ten dollar bill, but then when you buy it at one dollar and thirty cent, people don't have change and so using the app gives it the the fluidity like like making the transaction very smooth and that has so much to do with economic activities and at the end of day economic activity impact the livelihood economic development like the way that people make money and survive it's so basic um and uh, like yeah
0: that's that i think that's really powerful and i think that's that's what you mean by um, you think stablecoin is a human rights in a way. It gives them the the basic um, necessity they need in order to live on, go about their lives. So I, I do want to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about the the much dreaded R word, <laughs> which is regulation. Um, so I know, like especially in the crypto space, uh, we were still in a wild, wild wild west. There's a lot of uh, unknowns when it comes to to regulatory uh, pressure. Um, but I, I want to kind of take a slightly different perspective, um, talk a little bit about uh, CBDC or central bank uh, digital currency, um, especially since you're dealing with mostly the emerging markets. Um, my understanding that's, is that some of these emerging markets are, their central banks are planning to, to issue their own central bank digital currencies. So do you see in a world where, reserve um stable coins might be competing with cbdc is, is that a possibility or am i just imagining things here
2: um so the cbdc in a way providing a digital currency of their own local currency so if the local currency is, has inflation situation it's going to be the same it's just much more about digitalizing the currency that i have and I think for reserve, it's not a competition we really, our focus is about stable currency. And so um, how do we provide the platform where everyone can have access to it? And it doesn't have to be like right now, as, the mem- like, as I mentioned, we peg on US dollar, but in the future, maybe it may be on other assets
0: right. that
2: are stable. And so if you look at the US, or the Yuan or like the, um, the Yuan in China or other digital currency. I, I look at it as the much more of digital, digitalizing their local currency. It's a very different concept. Um, and I, I think there are definitely benefit to it because when currency are digitized, people have, they will build out their history and they have access to credit in the future. It's powerful. So many people don't have access to credit because they don't have, they, they don't have any trails. They don't have any history of payment transaction whatsoever yeah. um, digitally. And so there's definitely benefits to it. We don't see it as a competition. We see it as a, just a different forms. Um, and uh, for us, we look at it globally borderless. It's not just one or two countries, or it's not just US versus the world. Um, so yeah and then on the, the I guess we have a question on regulation as well and it, it, there's so like there's a, a I would say regulation is definitely behind in this space because there's so much innovation going on and um, people need to like the regulators they, they have to, a lot to learn and have to a lot to understand in order to make regulation not like, just say, oh, you you don't understand it. You just lap on heavy regulation so that it doesn't happen. It's it's not the way it should work. Like innovation should happen um, so that it like it it, it helps like it solves specific problem in society. Um, at the same time, the lot of people who use the lose like oh, it's like the lack of regulation in order to scam other people, rug pool projects, things like that. And it's painful for me to see things like that happen. And I think that the, the regulation needs to step up in some way in order to understand and work directly closely with the people who are in crypto, um, like a crypto expert or uh, who are in the industry so that they can come up with something that actually works for the industry, rather than just be too stringent or be uh, or or not having anything, and and it also depends on what countries that you operate in. And so, if you are in the authoritarian country where they would just say, "Oh, you can't do this, you can't do that," like it's going to put in so much stringent, so much of it like a chokehold for for people that who need the service and need the product that really helps them with day to day livelihood um and so regulation there's so many aspects of it like are you talking about us international is that the government really respect people's right or they just wanted to keep things in the top privilege one percent um so it's it's just it's a broad topic and i would say really that is, like yeah. regulation should work with the industry in order to have come up with something that make it more a uh, 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 trustworthy, uh, but also support innovation.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I feel like we can spend a, a whole episode just dedicating to, to crypto regulation on itself, on its own. So yeah. uh, I, I want to, as we started to to wind down, I want to touch on uh, kind of look forward a little bit. Uh, I know obviously Reserve is, is a very exciting project you're working on. I'm just curious if there's any other projects you're either working on or interest to interest in getting into Uh, any uh, exciting outlook for the for this space for us.
2: Um, So in this space itself, um, I'm actually focusing on specifically on reserve right now. uh, in order to provide financial access and stable point financial inclusion so like the, the because of the values of reserve align perfectly with what i feel uh, like my core value and so like i put most of my time in it and then i have other projects that i work on personally mm-hmm. so down now about the nonprofit i'm working on it's called Fund for dreams and we provide um, educational support to students in vietnam and nepal um so in that way it's also financial inclusion but it's like with a focus on education. Um, there's no um, crypto access, uh, crypto or uh, uh, anything more, uh, you know, related to dispute in that, but it's like, this go back to the values. And then i working on another side projects on like providing like a, a pitch, a startup pitch competition for MIT female founders uh, happened on June 14. And then working with a field, um like advising a few other startups um, and, uh, I think that um, there are so many things that people can do. And it's just for me, it's what are the core values and how does it empower me to do what I do? Um, and I'm really, I feel like the, with at this time of my career and seeing the power that cryptocurrency can actually change the way that people access to certain uh, financial services or um, change the way that finance work, um, I feel really lucky to be in this space right now um, and being like the, the beginning of the process and be a part of building the new future.
0: Yeah, you are doing God's work. We really appreciate everything you do, not, not only in the crypto Thank space, you. but all around. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And Dan and I, were really excited to have you here and learn so much from you.
1: Yep. Best of luck with with you and, you know, the passion and the dedication that, that you're doing to, to make a social impact.
0: Definitely. Before we go, uh, how can we, our, our, how can our listeners, our audience follow you? Uh, where can they learn more about uh, Reserve? Uh, any um, last, you know, contact information you want to leave for our audience?
2: Yes. Um. Uh, so my email is nyat n h a t at reserve.org. Or you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, nyat ng one. Um, sorry, my name is like quite long, so I like shorten <laughs> it. Um, so or uh on LinkedIn, just look my name up on nyatwin. So uh, there's many ways. I'm on social media, on email. Just reach out to me anytime.
0: That's great. Yeah, It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hopefully we'll talk thank to you very you. soon.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, Yudu. And Dan, uh, it's a great, very great, great honor to talk to you and be a part of this podcast. Likewise. Likewise. Talk soon. Thank you. Talk soon.